She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast. Episode 16. Young at Heart. All right, episode 16. So we are we are two-thirds through the season. Wow. Yeah, because it's 24 episodes, so 16. That's yeah. two times eight, and there's one more eight coming. I know you weren't a fan of the math last episode, but... <laughs> I mean, I'm never a fan of math, <laughs> let's be honest, but um, no, that's cool, though. Yeah. So this episode was written by Scott Coffer and Chris Carter. It was directed by Michael Lang. Was filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia. Shocking. Yeah. Its original air date was Friday, February 11th, 1994. And it had a viewership of 11.5 million in the United States. So we are back under that 12 million. We, 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 we hit the peak of 12.1 over the 12 from pilot, but now we're, we're, we're dipping back down a little bit, but oh, no, no. We're still, we're, st- we're still, we're still in that range, you know? Yeah. So, it's pretty yeah. solid viewership still. Yeah. Not too shabby. So what is this episode about? So in this episode, a note is left for Fox Mulder at a crime scene in the same style as notes that had been left by a previous suspect that Mulder had a hand in arresting. He was basically, the main driver of getting him caught. Okay. Except that that man died in prison in 1989. So can't really be leaving notes. Ooh. Mulder's convinced the suspect's still alive and well, despite having a death certificate. But Scully thinks it might be a copycat or someone hired to do his bidding, like maybe after his death. Hmm. Or maybe it's aliens. Mm, that'd be a weird flex for aliens. It would be a weird flex for aliens. We're going to yeah. come down. We're going to come down and mess with Mulder. <laughs> we're going we're to mess with Mulder. Yeah, we're going to mess with Mulder. <laughs> we're just going to leave him notes. Yeah. 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 Does not either sound like the plot of Cocoon, which maybe we were discussing. Yeah, which I haven't seen Cocoon since I was a kid. And so I really need to rewatch that movie because I, I remember very little about it. I know there's aliens and like pods and stuff, but that's yeah, like and, and like the, in like the swimming pool, like there's a big alien yeah. pod in the swimming pool or something, I think. Yeah. And so when the old people swim in the pool, they get like rejuvenated or uh, I don't remember exactly. It's got Wilford Brimley in it though. I think I know I that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, all right. We're at Tashmu federal correctional facility in Pennsylvania. And it's 1989 and we open and there's a watchtower and we get like some radio traffic, blah, 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 just, you know, general like prison stuff. And then we cut inside and there's an inmate in a wheelchair and he's rolling through a section of the prison, which is maybe like a lower security or maybe like the infirmary. We're not sure, but there's like some beds laid out. There's some people like with broken legs and he rolls by one bed and the bed's empty and the covers are kind of pulled back. Like someone just got out of bed. And so, he hear, looks at the bed and then he hears someone screaming. So he, he rolls down the hallway and he comes into a medical exam room and there's a surgeon operating on a man who's got like a bloody bandage stub on his right arm. And like the sheet is like covered in blood underneath the stump and around the stump. And he's like, what are you doing to, to Barnett? What are you doing to Johnny? And the surgeon says, John Barnett is dead. And he's like, no, he's not. I heard him screaming. So the doctor like grabs a big old scalpel and walks up to the guy and puts the scalpel under his neck. And he goes, John Barnett is dead. Is that clear? And he's like, yeah. So he turns to roll away. But as he rolls away, he looks back and you find out his name is Crandall because the doctor says, you know, John Barnett's dead. Now go back to your room, Crandall. But like John Barnett's eyes are like super milky. But then 
when Crandall looks back one more time before he goes out the door, they blink. And then he leaves, and then we get a shot of the eyes blinking again. And then theme song! X-Files! X-Files! <laughs> X-Files! Yeah. 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 So, the, so the eyes are really weird. I'm not sure if we're supposed to assume this person's blind because they're they look they're very cloudy. Like even the pupil is cloudy. So whether it's like supposed to be like a cataract or what is it's kind of that that like TV and movie blind people eyes is what it really looks like, or like their eyes are just all like super bleached out and that means they're blind. So I'm not sure what's yeah, going on. Yeah, I don't know if that's just supposed to be like a side effect of whatever he's doing or what's going on with that. It's weird. Yeah. I have to say the doctor though, especially when he had his mask on. I don't know if you've seen that picture of Mitch McConnell with a mask on, but he looks like a young Mitch McConnell, which is Ugh. kind of terrifying. But yeah. then once you take but then once he takes his mask off, he actually has like a chin. So that's kind of like takes the edge off, but still a little creepy. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad that where we're at, Mitch McConnell is way scarier than a doctor operating on you in the middle of the night at a prison infirmary. Yeah. But that's where has, we are. Who kind of has a little, and I don't know, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, but he kind of has that like Nazi doctor like edge to his voice when he's all like, you know, John Barnett is dead. Do you understand? It's kind of like, I don't know. I just get the edge. Maybe it's just that kind of like, you know, that kind of like weird experiments doctor kind of vibe. So <laughs> yeah. I automatically ascribe Nazi doctor to it, but it's kind of got that weird feeling. So. So then we're in Washington, D.C., and it's present day. Mulder and Scully arrive at the crime scene of a robbery. Scully's asking Mulder, like, what does this case have to do with us? Because it seems like a pretty standard robbery. I mean, I think someone was killed, but still, like, you know, it's not their, their beat. And Mulder says an old colleague from Violent Crimes called him up and asked for help and, like, said it was super important. So they end up in this jewelry store and Agent Reggie Perdue is there. I guess he's Mulder's old colleague. I believe he's actually Mulder's old supervisor, but I, I got that from reading notes. Yeah, I think he's, yeah, I think it's like, yeah, because we're going to find out later. I think he was like maybe like the agent who helped train Mulder, like when he first joined the bureau or something. Yeah. Like yeah. And he tells them that whoever robbed the shop killed the clerk after she filled a bag of jewels for him. And then he hands Mulder something and he's like, this is going to blow your mind. <laughs> and uh, Mulder looks at it. And I guess the suspect is john barnett and like the witness descriptions even match and when we see the note it's like a note that's really similar to notes that this suspect used to leave at crime scenes so then as they're leaving the scene Mulder is telling scully about barnett he was the first case that Mulder worked in violent crimes and barnett basically committed robberies all over a lot of times involving armored cars and he got really trigger happy and he would just kill people recklessly so it wasn't even like people were dying in in the course of these robberies because of like mistakes or not doing things. It was just cause this guy just liked killing people basically. So he was awesome. Yeah. Sounds that way. <laughs> yeah. And Mulder had a theory basically when he was working this case, he figured out that Barnett had an inside connection with the armor car company because of how he was always arriving at the scene after like goods were delivered or being taken out or whatever. And Mulder was right. It turns out he did have like this inside man and as they were chasing Barnett, he would leave him these little notes at every crime scene. And so Mulder shows Scully the note from this scene, and it says, Fox can't guard the chicken coop. They did finally catch Barnett, and they managed to arrest him, but in the process, he killed a hostage and a federal agent. And then he died in prison four years ago. Mulder was actually keeping tabs, so he knows that. Yeah, so four years ago, 1993, four-ish, that's... Good job keeping track of time on this episode so yeah. far. Yay. So Mulder takes the note that he received, 
to a handwriting expert who is Agent Henderson. She's got a cool microscope where like two people can look at it at once on opposite sides. And so Mulder's looking at it and she's looking at it and they're talking as they're looking into it. And she tells him the note was definitely written in the last 48 hours with a right hand by someone sitting down. And then she's like, I'm just showing off with that. And then she talks about how like she thinks it does match Barnett's handwriting though. He asked if it could be traced over and she's like, I mean, possibly, but it's a really damn good job because just the way like the inflection points and where the pressure tips are and all this kind of stuff, it doesn't look like someone tracing it. It looks like someone like actually writing. And uh, Henderson, she's flirty with Mulder. She talks about like, 10 minutes might be enough for you Mulder, but it's not for me. And then like, he says like, you know, I owe you definitely. She's like promises, promises. And so, yeah. Agent Henderson is a little flirty with Mulder. It's uh, funny. It definitely shows like it. <laughs> it definitely shows the lens you see the stuff through. Like I totally didn't get flirty. I got like, Oh, it's just coworker banter. So, I mean, I, I get that it is flirty. I just tend to, <laughs> I tend to miss that a lot. And then be like, cause that's how I am all the time. And I'm literally, I'm not flirting. I'm just that I like to banter with people. And so oh, okay. I think I confuse, <laughs> yeah. but it is kind of flirty. And I did get the innuendo. It's not like I missed the innuendo. I thought she was just kind of ribbing him a little, but either way. Yeah. She's obviously like they get along clearly and they're joking around. So possibly flirting, possibly she's hoping He'll ask her what she's doing after work, and he doesn't. So yeah, sorry, that would, Anderson. That would, that would probably be flirty. So yeah. yes. Anyway, you know who's not flirting with Mulder? Who? Reggie. No, Reggie's not. No. <laughs> Reggie's showing Scully a surveillance tape of Barnett's arrest. So basically, this is what happened like four years when they caught him. I guess it's more than four years ago. It's four years ago is when he died. Yeah, we don't get, we don't, like, that's what's, so that may be where they're messing up the timing on this one, because we know Mulder joined the agency, like, in 88, 89, and this guy was, this guy died in prison in 89, so he'd, like, die right after he went to prison, or, yeah, I don't know, so. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but anyway, so Reggie's showing Scully this tape, and Barnett has a hostage in front of an armored car, and he's got a gun to their head. And I guess Mulder's on the tape and he was kind of behind him and he had a good shot, but he didn't take it because the hostage was there and he didn't feel like the shot was clear. And as he was waiting, Barnett opened fire and he ended up killing his hostage. And then Mulder shot him in the shoulder, but he, before he was shot or maybe right after, like he did shoot one of the federal agents as well. And the agent died and Mulder blamed himself for that and took it really hard. And Reggie says at the trial, Barnett threatened that he would get Mulder. And Reggie's like, you know, I wish he'd have killed him then and there. But the thing is, is like for Mulder to take that shot would have been actually against bureau policy because he had a hostage. So Mulder technically was actually doing exactly what he should have, even though he was basically like a rookie. So it's almost like a rookie mistake. But in reality, it really wasn't a rookie mistake. He was was by the book. book. Yeah. Yeah. So. And it was good, but. Obviously, yeah. it sucks that somebody died, and Mulder and he blames did, himself. And he did so he because he had the so he shot the one guy in like the head at point blank, and that was actually his accomplice as well. So it was like not just his hostage, but it was his accomplice who was the hostage, right? The guy, the guy who was, was like his inside man. Yeah. And then he shot the other agent also in the face before Mulder got him in the shoulder, and I think yeah. he got him in the shoulder twice. I think, but I, I think so. Wrong. Yeah. So Mulder gets a copy of Barnett's death certificate from the prison. And Scully suggests that maybe this new suspect is actually someone that Barnett paid to do a copycat job. Um, After all, he did threaten Mulder. And she tells him that, you know, Reggie showed her the tape and that he did the right thing. And Mulder is like really very, 
I'm not sure what the word would be like adamant, stern, firm. He's like, you know, if I'd pull that trigger two seconds earlier, Agent Wallerberg would be alive today with his wife and kids. Um, one of who, one of the top kids on the football team. I can't remember right. the phrasing. It's sports. I don't know. So <laughs> Mulder still blames himself, but basically, like, if he had done that earlier, you know, there'd be there'd be an agent alive, and he wouldn't be getting notes from, you know, some psycho. So he's not he's not happy. He like leaves and slams the door. He's he's definitely he's definitely upset with himself about what's going on because he blames himself for for this. Yeah, absolutely. So then we see Mulder at a sports field and he's watching a team of kids practice football, which we assume includes Agent Wallenberg's son. Or I doubt it's just a random group of kids. It's hard yeah, to keep, say. They keep they keep focusing on one kid who I think is the quarterback, and it, I think we're supposed to assume that's supposed to be Agent yeah. kid. Yeah. He doesn't actually go up and talk to any family or anything, so he doesn't nope. say, oh, you know. But anyway, he's watching on the bleachers. And then he gets up and walks away, and he gets to his car. And he's, like, holding the note from Barnett in this evidence bag, which, like... The whole, the whole time, yeah. Like, why just, are you walking around with this? I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah, and, so, it, and it's not even, like, in his coat or in a briefcase. He's just, like, carrying it in his <laughs> hand. It's, like, walking around with this zip, giant Ziploc bag with a note in it for, like, anyone who wants to read it can read it. It's like, yeah, what are you I doing, Mulder? Don't know what that's about. But he gets to his car, which is parked on the street, and he goes to, like, unlock it with his key, and then it's already unlocked. And he sees something inside, so he opens the door, and there's a manila envelope on the seat. And he opens it up, and it's got photos of Mulder and Scully, and a note that says, a hunted fox eventually dies. So Mulder's, like, super furious, and he, like, yells to the street, like, there's no one out there, but he's just like, I'll get you, you son of a bitch, to the air, and, like, everyone on the bleachers kind of turns around and looks. Yeah, the kids stop playing, like, everyone just freezes, like, they had never heard language like that, like, oh my god, but yeah, the kids stop playing, all the parents turn around, yeah. But then we do get, like, a close-up of a face, he's wearing, like, a hat, or, like, a hood, and, like, you can't really see anything except his milky eyes. And he's, like, mm-hmm. watching. Yeah. I have to say, like, so Mulder gets up from the bleachers. Because there's, like, like maybe, like, what? Maybe, like, a five-level set of bleachers. Like, just, you know, just yeah. standard bleachers. Like, at a park. And they're, the kids are playing, like, in a giant mud pit. Like, what kind of park is this? Like, they're just, like, <laughs> it's a giant square of mud. And there's grass all around it. And there's little, like, bleachers for the parents to sit on. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, whatever. But, like, as soon as he gets up to leave, you're like, oh, that dude with, like, the Elmer Fudd hat? That's gonna be that's got to be barnett and we were right it was barnett so yeah it's pretty obvious that that's him but yeah yeah and then yeah just like he's just carrying that freaking evidence bag around yeah it doesn't make any sense it's like why is he just walking around with it i don't know oh my god anyway so we cut back to fbi headquarters in washington dc and reggie is looking through the photos and telling Mulder's like dude someone's just messing with you and Mulder's like no it's barnett i know it's barnett and Reggie's like, you know what? A lot of people like heard Barnett like threaten you. Like, so they know what the thing is. They're just messing with you, dude. And Reggie's like, Mulder, like you, when you first showed up, like you irritated the crap out of me. You're this little snot-nosed rookie. But then I realized like the way your mind works, you're always like three steps ahead. You got a brilliant mind. But now you've become like spooky Mulder. And everyone, a lot of people here really don't like you because they saw your potential. And now they realize you're wasting it. And so, and he's like, what do you think? Like someone at the agency's got something against me and this, they're doing this. He's like, I don't know, but you know what? It's always a good idea to cover your ass. Okay. So just like, keep an eye out, pay attention to what's going on. Someone is messing with you. We don't know who, but someone is messing with you. And then like Scully comes in and she's got a copy of Barnett's will. 
and says like he had no family. He left all his remaining possessions to Joe Crandall, who's the guy that was in the wheelchair in the first scene, a fellow prisoner, and that his ashes were eventually spread. Like I guess it took like six months for his ashes to get spread along the banks of the Delaware River. And apparently one of the prison workers who runs the prison crematorium is the one who sprinkled them. So like right. no, no straight like this. So it's like, there is a like chain of evidence of what's going on. Apparently that he is dead and his ashes were spread. And Reggie's like, dude, someone's just messing with Mulder, but Mulder doesn't buy it. And like when, when they're talking and Reggie starts to do his little, like, listen, like when you first showed up, I guess, I guess someone else was in the room that we, we weren't even seeing but like Reggie gets from his desk and he's like hey hey and like this other guy gets up off the couch and like leaves and Reggie closes the door and you're like oh it's about to get real now <laughs> Reggie's closing the door and he's gonna talk to Mulder and then like they're talking and then we hear this knock knock and then Scully just walks in like <laughs> even though like no one said come in and then she's like sorry and so she's like she obviously has like some super important time sensitive information but she doesn't she's just like oh i got a copy of the will and <laughs> like nothing important that couldn't have waited she just had to burst in and whatever anyway <laughs> like okay scully yeah, maybe she was worried the door was shut she's like who knows yeah they're talking about me hey Mulder's my <laughs> partner i'm in on this <laughs> yeah so Mulder works with a photo analyst at the bureau to help create an aged up photo of barnett so that they can show what he would look like now Oh, four years later. I know. Oh, my God. The changes. <laughs> um, and then we get a flashback to the trial. And Mulder testifies that he believes Barnett attacked his victims almost as a way to toy with the FBI, like to leave more bodies in his wake. He confirms that Barnett took his accomplice hostage, and then the FBI surrounded him. And the lawyer asked why he didn't fire, and he says he didn't want to endanger the hostage, and that he kind of assumed that with no way out, Barnett would give up because obviously like you're not going to get out of this. Why wouldn't you surrender? Yeah. Cause he was surrounded. There was like what, four or five agents there. Yeah. Like, so like he doesn't have an escape here and instead Barnett shot the hostage and then agent Wallenberg. And as Mulder stands to leave the witness stand, he kind of makes a final statement, which you're not supposed to do, but he's like, you know, Barnett gunned down that agent in cold blood just for spite and he should suffer for it. And so everyone's like, order in the court, order in the court. Like, you can't just say stuff. Yeah. And um, so the judge is going to hold him in contempt if he doesn't stop. And so, like, he starts to leave and he goes to go sit back down. And after he sits down next to Reggie, Barnett looks totally unbothered. He's kind of, like, smirking and has that, like, little smug look. And he turns around and he just mouths, I'll get you. Yeah, he's got a little wink and a smooch. Yeah. Yeah. And Mulder does call him a son of a bitch again. So we get our second son of a bitch, and we're only like 15 minutes into the episode. <laughs> uh, although we don't, I don't think we get another one. I think it's only one of the two. Yeah. But like the scene with Mulder and the photo analyst kind of cracked me up because Mulder's sitting there and he's like, like she's, she's making, you know, it's like she's aging him. And then he's like, he could be wearing any kind of disguise. And she gets this look on her face like, okay, yeah, let me just hit this any kind of disguise button on my computer and then gives him like a big old giant beard and then like yeah. Mulder gets up and she's got this look on her face like, I went to college for this and just like, she <laughs> doesn't look happy. I mean, she's pleasant later. She's like, he's like, I need copies of all those. Like, can I get printouts of all those? She's like, yeah, sure, no problem. But like, she just looks like, oh my God, I'm just doing this. Okay, what did I go to school for? Great, anyway. Yeah, and I'm willing to bet that we are going to see this super fancy aging software again, but they're going to be using it backwards. So like D age. I'm, I'm just willing to bet that that's going to happen. We shall see. I mean, that's kind of low hanging fruit, but yeah. 
And then, uh, I don't know. The uh, the lawyer seems like she's kind of leading Mulder a little bit. And I would yeah. Probably be like, I would probably be like, if I was the defense, I probably would have been like, objection, objection, because she's like assigning like emotives to Barnett and like the things he did and that kind of thing. So, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, she's kind of like, is this true? And he's like, yes. You know, so it's like yeah. she's kind of yeah. saying. Yeah. And then the like, lady next to Mulder, so like Reggie's on like the aisle seat and then Mulder goes and sits next to Reggie and then there's like this older, oh, not that older, but like an older lady sitting next to Mulder. And when Barnett turns around and is like, I'll get you. The lady <laughs> is just like, she's hilarious because she's like, oh, I thought like she was going to like break out a fan and like fan <laughs> herself and like, oh, the vapors or whatever. But yeah, it was pretty hilarious. So. <laughs> So then we cut back to the present. So flashback over and Mulder is like, you know, it's like, Hey, can I get copies of all those? And she's like, yeah, sure. No problem. And then Scully comes in and she's like, I got word from the prison. Like, Oh, what did they find out? She's like, well, no, actually I contacted them and I got copies of Barnett's medical records. And he was admitted to the infirmary for a problem with his hand. But like on his last medical checkup, like six months before he died, he didn't show any sign of like cardiac problems, but yet on his death certificate, it says he died of cardiac arrest and he was given like a super clean bill of health. So what's going on? I mean, not that people can't have like sudden heart attacks without any kind of pre-existing, but you know, hey. Right. But the anyway. fact that he was sent to the infirmary, not for some kind of heart thing, it was like yeah. because of his hand. So it wasn't like, But I mean, I mean, you could still have cardiac arrest. Yeah. With that, and, de- but... and depending on his age, I mean, we don't think, I mean, later they talk about like, he's supposedly in his late 40s which he seems older than that but yeah um i guess the actor was only like was it was like like 47 at the time so i guess that fits because that's supposed to be 89 but it's four years later so it'd be about 50 but whatever so but i mean like if he went like you know depending on your age and your health like surgery is always like you know that ups your percentage of possibly dying like either in surgery or from complications so yeah for sure but I think she's just pointing knows. out the discrepancy and like, oh, it's a little weird. It's not the end. It's not the weirdest thing. I mean, yeah. you have to die of something. So <laughs> it's something to look at. So we're going to look at it. Yeah. So, so then we go to Tashmu federal correctional facility again, and Mulder and Scully interview the inmate from the beginning, Crandall. Mm-hmm. And he knew Barnett well. And they're like, well, you know, you must've known him well. Cause he left you everything in his will. And Mulder says something about how he had died, Barnett had died of cardiac arrest. And the inmate's like, where'd you hear that? And Scully's like, uh, on the death certificate? That's what it said on the tag. <laughs> no, I totally <laughs> thought of, of deadpan. <laughs> the deadpan, uh, whatever she is, medical, yeah, medical examiner. examiner. Yeah. yeah, she's very <laughs> good callback if she were there. Unfortunately, she's not. <laughs> And the inmate's like, uh, the last time I saw Barnett, he was on the table in the infirmary and Dr. Ridley was working on him, but he wasn't dead. Like he blinked and he had like some issue with his hand, but he was alive. Yeah. I have to say, they went a little excess, like four years. Like we got to do, we got to run aging <laughs> software on Barnett because it's been four years <laughs> since he died. And like this dude, Crandall, they got like, he's got like gray in his, in, his, in the top of his head, on the side of his head. He's got gray in his eyebrows. He's got gray in his goatee. It's like, dude, it's been four years. Like prison's rough, but it's like, <laughs> obviously like low facility because the dude just wheelchairs around the prison like all day. Like just, you know. It's like a little okay, four years. Oh my god! But yeah, it's a little. <laughs> yeah, they're acting like it's kind of a long time, which is funny because like it yeah. should actually be longer since Barnett was arrested, not necessarily since he died. Like he could have died two years ago and it would have been fine. Yeah, we don't know, 
But yeah, and then and then again, because he says like, "I'll." The last thing he says is like, "I'll never forget those eyes." So again, like something may be up with these eyes, but like no one mentions it. And he had normal eyes at the trial, right? So it wasn't like they were always like that. So who yeah, knows? and then there's no mention of like him having like sudden cataracts or blindness that would cover up his pupil. So I, like I don't know what's going on with the eyeballs. Yeah, I think it's got to be some kind of side effect to whatever Doctor Ridley's doing. But yeah, it's weird. So then we're back at FBI headquarters, and guess what? It's in Washington, D.C., in case you didn't remember. So Mulder is putting a clip in his gun, and Scully's like, what are you going to do? Like, dude, he's an FBI agent. He's got a gun. I mean, it's not that rare to, like, put a clip in your gun. But anyway, drama, right? It's TV. Yeah. So he's like, I'm not going to wait around for Barnett to send another love note. So Mulder's going all Terminator action. Like, I'm gonna... anyway, I don't know. So there's a call come in. And surprise, surprise, it's Barnett. So Mulder signals, like, Scully. Scully's actually the one who answers it. And then after we get something about, like, Scully mentions something about, oh, is it, you think it's you think it's Barnett or is it Barnett's ghost? And Mulder's like, I thought you didn't believe in ghosts. And there's, like, this weird interchange between the two of them. And then the phone rings. And so yeah. Scully goes and answers it. And she's like, oh, hey, it's for you, Mulder. And we do get a shot. Mulder's office has definitely been expanded because he's got like a second like room in his office now with like, and it looks like there's a window now too. <laughs> Scully got him some upgrades. I guess. <laughs> but anyway, so Scully answers. She's like, oh yeah, hang on. Hey, Mulder, it's for you. Mulder talks to it and it's Barnett. So Scully's like, I'll go trace the call. And she runs off and Mulder hits a record button on a tape recorder that must be connected to his phone. And then he's talking with Barnett and Barnett's like, it's illegal to take people without their consent. I was like, I can't do the voice. It's so freaking annoying. Anyway. And so he tells him like, I stood next to you in line for coffee that morning. And Mulder's like, yeah, whatever. I don't even know if it's really you. Besides John Barnett's a dead man. And he's like, you're the dead man, Mulder. And then Mulder's like, I need confirmation. It's really, he's like, oh, you'll get it. And then he hangs up and Scully comes back and she's like, oh, we weren't able to trace it. We lost it. And Mulder's like, okay, well, listen to this. And he plays back his tape recorder and he mentions something about like Barnett had like a New Hampshire accent and then he plays the tape and apparently whoever's talking has a New Hampshire accent. Yeah. He's like, I know it. And she's like, oh, so she recognizes it too. Okay. And it's like, oh, it's definitely him. And so, yeah but it's weird. So, so she <laughs> hands the phone to Mulder and Mulder's like, gives her the finger. And then she's like, I'll run a trace. Like she says it like, so he could hear it on the phone. Did she like, say oh, it out loud? Oh, wow. I, somehow loud. I didn't process that. Oh, she says it out loud and then runs off. And I'm like, Oh God, Scully, what are you doing? <laughs> Cause then he's like, it's illegal to tape. I'm like, he's like, well, how, like he knows because Scully just said, I'll run a trace on it. So yeah. I thought but he did the all, tape recorder click. But no, yeah, he could have heard that. But then, like, in mid-phone call, he's like, you're not going to keep me on the phone long enough to trace this call. And then he talks, like, for another, like, three minutes. I like, know. What are you doing? <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Strangeness. <laughs> so, then we cut to Reggie's house. And Reggie's asleep on his bed. And he has, like, a book on his chest. And his glasses have kind of fallen off. And everyone who falls asleep reading knows this feeling. <laughs> Yeah, they're like down like under his nose. They're like, they're like on his mustache. They're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And so then his phone rings and like his glasses kind of hit the floor as he rolls over to answer the phone. And so he picks it up and Mulder's like, he's like, hello. And it's Mulder. And he's like, it's the middle of the night. And Mulder's like, uh, it's 1045. And I'm like, dude, Mulder, that's the middle of the night for some <laughs> of us. Okay. Hey, yo, Mulder's a young Turk. He's like, <laughs> oh, I'm full of youthful energy. And Reggie's like, old man. You know, he's like, he's like Murtaugh in like Lethal Weapon. It's like, I'm yeah. Cool with this shit. 
I relate to Reggie. <laughs> and so then Mulder's like, Barnett's not really dead. And then he mentions that the note was written by a right-hander, but the inmate actually saw Barnett's hand, like right hand amputated. So Barnett doesn't have a right hand anymore, at least theoretically. And as Reggie's talking to Mulder about this, we see someone sneak up behind him, like in his mm-hmm. bedroom. And he grabs Reggie and he strangles him. And then he like steps on his glasses and breaks them. Yeah. And he drops the body on the floor. And then he like flings a note on the body and the phone's still off the hook. And Mulder's like, what's going on? Reggie, Reggie, what's going on the whole time? So that's super awful. And also Reggie, like I liked Reggie. Why? Why? Yeah. I have to say, the dude totally missed opportunity. Like, you could undoubtedly, you could hear Mulder on the phone, and you could probably get the gist that, like, he's talking to Mulder from the conversation and you're sneaking up on the guy to kill him. Like, why wouldn't you just pick up the phone and be like, you wanted proof, now you got it, and, like, hang up? But I no, know. he's just like, oh, here's a note. Um, that's what I do. I leave notes because that <laughs> throws a note and walks away. Whatever, yeah. Dude. And then I guess standards and practices fought with the producers on the scene because apparently they had a much more graphic version of Reggie's death. And they were forced to cut it down, which I'm kind of glad because I wouldn't want to see that. But mm. yeah, he kind of strangled. Oh, I guess that would make sense because I would say he kind of strangled him out pretty fast. But you said they had to cut it down. Yeah, so it seemed really fast, unless like you like 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 really like snapped their neck and like, yeah. Well, that's you know. what I kind of thought he did. And then I was looking at notes about the show, and it all said strangulation because strangulation does take a long time. It's one of those. Like, strangulation is not a slow murder, so a lot of people who no, strangle people will, like, argue, like, oh, I, I was just in the heat of the moment. It's like, that's not something you do in the heat of the no, moment, because, like... It's like, su- it's like suffocation, except for you don't have something over the mouth. You're, like... Right, it's long enough that you can second-guess yourself and, like, let yeah. go. So it's a long process. Anyway, that's something you don't need to know about death on this X-Files podcast. Well, I mean, maybe you do, because it just happened. So. Yeah, it's very it's very quick. So I did think maybe his neck was broken, but all the notes say he strangled. Yeah. So it was yeah. because the scene was cut, because apparently it was much longer. Yeah. So I guess we don't really cut back to Reggie's house because we never really left it. But t- some time has passed, and Reggie's house is sadly now a crime scene. And Scully, Scully walks in, and she's bossy. She's like telling everybody like to examine every piece of evidence and get every piece of lint and da 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 da. It's like yeah, she dudes, is. The dudes have already been working there. She's like, wow, okay, Scully. No, I love and... it. I love Bossy Scully. <laughs> I'm Team Bossy Scully. Okay, I I know I don't know that I'd be Team Bossy Scully if I was like the dude like working there like for no. I know who how long before she showed up. Probably like, hey. not. You'd be like, hey, lady, we've been here for hours. Don't you like that but... poor beat cop in the last episode? I'm just doing my job, ma'am. Come on, like, give me a break. <laughs> anyway. So uh, Mulder says that, you know, he's like, you know, Reggie's wife died six years ago from cancer and that like the whole time he'd known Reggie, he was supposedly working on a mystery novel and said he would show it to him. But he never did. And he's like, you know, I'm probably the only person at the bureau that he trusted to actually look at it. And so he's like basically like he's being extremely regretful, obviously, but he actually speaks out that he wished now he had taken that shot at Barnett when he had the chance. Yeah, because, you know, now there'd be, you know, two agents alive. And not to mention, you know, like a, a jewelry worker and probably some other people maybe they don't even know about. And Scully's still not sure it's him, but then he like points and there's another note sitting on the dresser in an evidence bag, which maybe Mulder will walk around carrying for a while too. <laughs> Who knows? We'll find out. But he actually, I guess he does carry it to Agent Henderson. He does. And she examines the new note. She confirms it was written by a right-handed person 
And now that they know Barnett's right hand was amputated, he's like, well, what if it was a prosthetic hand? Like, would they be able to, could you tell? And she says that it's pretty unlikely because of like finger dexterity and prosthetics are not that good, or at least they weren't back in 93, according to the X-Files writers. I don't know how true that is. (laughs) I don't know anything about prosthetics, but she says, no, it has to be like a, someone's like not you know organic yeah, she, she does mean and I didn't, I didn't get this part and i didn't go back to listen to it again which i mean i rewinded several times to look at other things but for some reason i didn't on this part she mentioned something about oh but like if they were wearing a glove it wouldn't be smeared the same way it is so i wasn't sure if that was implying the person was wearing a glove or wasn't wearing a glove because we don't yeah. actually get anything about it being smeared or not being smeared. We do hear about like they're like the one thing that's strange about all these notes is that there's no fingerprints on any of them. Right. So, so there's no fingerprints, was, but it's smeared like it it wouldn't be smeared that way. Yeah, if they I were wearing, if wearing a glove, glove. If he was wearing a glove, so it's like so it's 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 written with a bare hand, but yet somehow there's not any fingerprints on it. Right. But she also mentioned like he's got like a very like a very elegant script. And so very dexterous. And that's going to contradict something that we find out later. But, yeah, uh, I was going to talk about that later because it is weird. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, once we'll we talk know. about that. But we don't want we don't want to get too far ahead. We don't want to spoil it for no you guys. Spoil it. Yeah. The show's only like 30 years old. We don't want you to. <laughs> yeah, 27. So, anyway. <laughs> so we're back at Mulder and Scully's office. Um, we'll just call it Mulder and Scully's office, even though Scully. Yeah, has, like, I'm a kind of assuming that like she's working a lot in there, and maybe she has her own little space. But they yeah. pretty much share. She just walks in all the time. I'm assuming that she yeah. has some. Which is kind interesting of because like like there. Agent Willis just had a desk, like he was a beat cop or something, which is funny. Like last episode, but anyway. So Scully tells Mulder that Doctor Ridley hasn't officially been a doctor since 1979. His license was revoked for flagrant misuse. He was apparently experimenting on children with progeria, which is a disease where the kids age really rapidly and then you know, die early. And they usually they usually die of what they die of is they die of things like old age. You know, the diseases that people get who are very old. So then we cut to the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. And there's a doctor. They're playing like an old like eight millimeter film. And they're showing Dr. Ridley's on the film. It's all black and white and all clickety-clackety, old-timey. And there's a child suffering from progeria. And, you know, she looks old. And so, you know, he's sitting on a bed with a child. And anyway, the doctor they're talking to is talking about how, you know, basically describing the disease, how most kids die at six, seven, eight, and that very few make it to their teen years. But that he knew Ridley. And Ridley didn't, he starts to get really like upset and emotional because like he knew Ridley and Ridley didn't give a damn about those kids. He saw it as an opportunity to unlock the secrets of human aging. And he apparently came up with some ideas and wanted to do like human trials, but he wasn't allowed. And they asked like, well, why not? It's like, cause it was all conjecture. Like he just had ideas and like, you can't just do that. And like, he, he watched how he treated these kids. He treated them like lab animals. He didn't treat them like human beings, like, you know, right. little kids suffering from disease. And so it turns out he actually, they found out that he actually was doing the experiments anyway. And so they censured him and took away his grant and then took away his medical license. And then he disappeared. And they're like, well, what happened to him? And they're like, he heard rumors that he went to South America to continue his experiments. And then there's like, a lot of the doctors called him Dr. Mengele. So we do get that little Nazi doctor kind of reference again. Yeah. Maybe I wasn't off the bat. 
So, but yeah, Graham Jarvis, the dude who plays this doctor, is another one for like our regular guest stars of our like side characters, like fan fiction bootleg audio drama podcast series that we're making. <laughs> so, and then, and then we probably need to add like flirty Agent Henderson. Yeah, I like her. Yeah. So our cast is getting pretty big. So maybe this is going to be like an anthology series, I think. <laughs> yeah. This, to... this, this guy, unfortunately, doesn't get a name. He just is, he's titled as NIH doctor. So we, we don't get yeah. a name for him. But he's, he's a guy that if, if you've watched television, You've definitely seen this dude, so but yeah, yeah, he's like, been out a lot. I like how he gets really like upset. That, that I like that. Righteous yeah, indig- righteous indignation. That was good. So. It was kind of nice because if you think back to Eve and like the doctors who worked with her, they were like annoyed that she was like a problem for them. Yeah. I mean, they weren't happy about the ethics either. But this guy seems really upset about like the unethical, terrible things yeah. he was doing. He so do- he does bring up the fact that the government was very interested in Ridley's. Yes, which yes, he does bring that up. Yeah. So, so Mulder obviously thinks that Ridley was experimenting on the prisoners at the prison, which is why he was working there, and obviously including Barnett. Mm-hmm. Scully thinks that's kind of absurd, but like he's working without a license as a doctor at a prison, he's probably doing something wrong. Like, I mean, just working without a license right there is not okay. Yeah, but he was working at a federal prison without a medical license. And the other doctors said that, like, the government was interested in his research. So that right. seems kind of shady. That's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. And Scully thinks the idea of, like, being able to stop aging with all this, like, whatever, using these genes or technology is, like, absurd. But Mulder points out how a lot of modern medical discoveries seemed absurd once upon a time. So, like, who knows? Yeah, he's like, like, 20 years ago, what would you think about, like, gene splicing and, right. you know, all kinds of, he's like, has a little list that he rambles off of things that were like oh yeah okay cool so Mulder goes back to the photo lab and he tells them to age down ridley's mugshot so now we're trying to get it so yeah you were correct (laughs) i was like i said i mean that's low-hanging fruit so yeah and they do age it down and we get again much like how we got the uh who was it we got the oh it was it was in fire we got the drawing that was like like they just drew like the dude who plays the character we kind of get that same kind of like aged photo of like this is like someone trying to make a photo look like the dude who's playing the character so we do get randoms because we are doing variations on how he would look at one point Mulder tells the um, analyst to add 20 pounds and he's like a healthy 20 pounds like don't just make him fat (laughs) healthy 20 pounds but so then we cut to Scully and she's at home based on the surroundings and she's working on her computer typing in her field journals and we get the little voiceover blah, 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 about how like Ridley didn't basically she's repeating what the doctor told us Ridley didn't see aging as inevitable he saw it as an opportunity blah 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 and then she hears something and we actually get a view of someone with a messed up looking hand like outside her window and you're like whoa what's going on and then we cut back to Scully and she hears the noise again and then we look and we get that cool like cross focus thing where Scully's in the in the background and there's something blurry in the foreground and the focus changes and it's her gun sitting on the mantle and so we're like uh oh Scully you left your gun too far away again but she does manage to get up and she gets her gun and she starts like going through the house and then someone's knocking on the door and you're like <gasps> someone's knocking on the door so she goes and opens the door and it's, he's like, hi, I'm Joel Ridley. And she like puts a gun on him. He's like, whoa, hands up. Like, I'm, Joel, <laughs> I'm Dr. Joel Ridley. It's cool. And so comes in. But then, like, there is someone in her house. And he apparently, like, goes into her closet and, like, just hides in the closet. So he's still in her house. But anyway, 
So creepy. Yeah. It's creepy. And then we're in Scully's living room. There's been like a commercial break. Yep. <laughs> or for them, there's been time that passed. And Mulder's there, so he's arrived. And they're all sitting in Scully's living room with Dr. Ridley. Yep. And he tells them that John Barnett is his only patient who ever survived. Yeah, and Dr. Ridley has uh, cloudy eyes. He does have cloudy eyes. Yeah. And as he's talking about his experiments, he tells them that he's dying. He has about a month left because he used the treatment on himself as well. And unfortunately, his treatment has like this fatal flaw. So he used the genes of people with progeria to help reverse the aging process. But unfortunately, that left them with the side effect of like this vascular disease that kills a lot of the people with progeria. And he has that, and apparently a lot of his other test subjects had that as well and died. Yeah, so it makes them younger, but it leaves them susceptible to old age diseases, basically. Right, so yeah, yeah, it basically didn't... Yeah. Yeah. And Barnett is the only suspect who's managed to do well, because in Barnett's case, he was able to stimulate the genes that help regeneration. So instead of just kind of aging down it also helps you regenerate which helps you not have those kinds of problems that older people do because the older you get the more trouble your body has like regenerating yeah so he mentions the regeneration and Mulder's like you grew barnett a new hand and ridley's like uh not exactly i kind of use these like salamander genes <laughs> And like so they don't actually say he grew him a salamander hand but that's like heavily implied yeah and he does mention that apparently the only body parts that aren't susceptible to this regeneration is the eyes right so your eyes age and die and ridley says weird. a lot of high-ranking people have funded his research which makes sense because like you said he's in this federal prison mm. and a lot of people want this because everyone wants a fountain of youth that's right obviously yeah so salamander hand yeah so this script was written by like a old colleague of chris carter's and then when he got it he like did some rewrites and apparently one of the rewrites that chris carter added to the script was a salamander hand yeah. thanks chris i yeah. hate it yeah chris carter everybody the 90s george lucas yeah yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Carter also added in like the tattoo from Lazarus. We'll find out. Well, maybe we'll actually we won't find out, but I would not be surprised if he's like, you know, it would be cool is if the dude's tattoo showed up on the guy's arm. That would be sweet, huh? Wouldn't it? So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't understand what, and we don't really find out either. I was wondering if we were, but having then watched the rest of the episode, we don't find out what Ridley's motive is to show up and like show up at Scully's door. Like, yeah, I was kind of wondering what, like, how did he, he just even like, know? Is he just like guilty because he's dying and like, I have to confess to someone? Or is it actually just another way to like give exposition of what is going on in them? Which I'm also, if he found probably. a way to like stimulate regeneration, why can't he do that to himself? I don't I mean, he doesn't want a salamander hand <laughs> or, salamander, yeah. or a salamander vascular system or whatever. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So the government was involved with his research. And so, you know what that means? Uh, You get a scene with Deep Throat (laughs) in a bar with Mulder. Yep. So Deep Throat is like, I have to say, I'm not, the government's not exactly happy with the way things have gone in this case. He sounds like an old, like, <laughs> he, he got like this weird, like, 
old Mandy kind of thing <laughs> in the very beginning as they're sitting down. But what Ridley apparently doesn't know is that Barnett also stole all of Ridley's research and is trying to sell it to the government in exchange for like immunity, a safe haven, like you know, lots of money, all that kind of stuff. And Mulder's like, what? How are we doing that? The dude's a murderer. And he's like, he holds all the cards. The information he has could change the course of mankind. And he's like, you know, what are the alternatives? And Mulder's like, totally upset. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, don't negotiate with a murderer, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And, like... and how does, so Deep Throat says it a certain way. He's like, oh, he's like, consider the alternatives. And Mulder's like, I will. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't whip out the gun and go chunk. But it was like, oh, okay, <laughs> we're gonna get down to business here. So, yeah. So then we get back to Scully's apartment, and a phone rings, and we kind of see like no one's in her apartment. Like the camera kind of pans around, mm-hmm. and then it settles on her answering machine, which answers the phone. And she gets out of the shower and kind of rushes to the phone, and then she hears someone dialing in her message code, and her messages start playing. And there's like a message from her mom and whatever. And so she's like freaked out. And then the next scene, she's at the office and she has her answering machine like wrapped in plastic wrap. Well, I think, like, I, I guess, I think, I think he's just wrapped. I think the cord's wrapped around it. I think it's in plastic. Oh, wrap. I, I thought think, there was plastic. No, I think it. she's just carrying it in like the cord, like the phone cord is like oh, wrapped around it. Yeah. I thought she wrapped it in plastic so they could get like fingerprints off it or something. No, but she did take it to the fingerprint department. Okay. Yeah. So she brings the answer machine into the office and she tells Mulder that like she was sure someone was in her apartment last night before Ridley knocked. And then when he knocked, she assumed that that had been the noise she heard was like him coming around the side or something. Mm-hmm. And now because someone was like messing with her answer machine, she's wondering if someone actually was in her apartment. Yeah. Well, she and, knows because. Oh, well, she yeah. So she took it to the fingerprint lab and they found like his left index oblique finger on the underside of the machine. So clearly he'd like messed with it. Mm -hmm. And then Barnett calls Mulder because he just loves calling Mulder all the time. It's what he does. That and leave notes. He tells him, don't grow too fond of Ridley. He's going to die soon. Like the rest of your friends. And Mulder's like, what do you mean the rest of my friends? And then Mulder's, (laughs) (laughs) I don't have friends. You (laughs) son of a bitch. And then he's like, he tells him like, oh, you're not that smart and like whatever. And then he hangs up and then he asks Scully like, what was on your machine? What was in your messages? And she says that one of them was from a friend that she was supposed to meet that night at a cello recital. Yeah. So one, like Barnett has the most annoying, like he, the way he talks is super annoying. And I don't know who decided that was a good idea because it's not creepy. It's just freaking annoying. Like you want to just stop watching so you don't have to listen to him talk. It is really yeah, annoying. Yeah, he is. He does have an annoying voice. Yeah. I don't and I can't un- talk because my voice is super annoying. So yeah. sorry, guys. I don't understand how you get someone's dialing code for their answering machine simply by being in their house. Unless, like, she's using the default one that's, like, printed on the machine, in which case, like, Scully, come on, you're an FBI agent. You don't, like, you change the password, for God's sakes. Come on. <laughs> so, which I guess that must be the case because he picked it up at some point to, like, get the code off it so he could use it so unless she like wrote it so she wouldn't forget it like write it on the machine again yeah, maybe scully. She's like a sticky yeah sticky she got a post-it bottom. note on the bottom with the code <laughs> yeah good oh scully come on no wonder like the computer was able to get into your computer in a ghost in the machine and like your password was probably like password anyway <laughs> so and then when barnett's talking he like keeps rubbing his chin with like this like translucent yellow finger which is nasty looking um 
on top of it. It's a salamander finger. He grew it himself. He's very proud. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he grew it himself, but yeah. Well, maybe because he like, you know, stole all the research. Maybe he did. Who knows? So, yeah. So then we cut to the Janie Taylor Memorial Recital Hall in Washington, D.C., which is not a real place just in case you're wondering. So the FBI uses the recital as bait. They're passing out photos of Barnett. Do, 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 do. They've apparently got multiple photos because we made, you know, variations on how he would look when he was young. And they're like, they're two hours before the recital is going to start. And they're supposed to familiarize themselves with the place and make sure that someone always has an eye on Scully because she is the bait. And she's like, this is the first time I've ever been the target. Anyway. Yeah. Well, Probably won't be the last time, Scully. Just going to say. So, and then there's like a woman practicing the cello on the stage. And there's some dude tuning the piano. And we go close in. And he's got this nasty ass, probably salamander hand as he's tuning the piano. What could go wrong? <laughs> Nothing. It's fine. Yeah. No one bothers to check the piano tuner. Mulder walks right past him. Yeah. So then as, as it gets closer to showtime, a crowd fills the performance hall lobby and there's a lot of people milling around. And Scully looks a little nervous. She's like kind of standing in the crowd and Mulder's across the room and he kind of winks at her like, we've got this. Yep. And then we cut back to the stage and the piano guy like pulls a gun out of his bag and like loads it and like shoves it in his pants. Yeah. And he's got and these huge he... leather work gloves on to cover his hands. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say they look kind of like he just has like mittens on they're just well like i mean huge. they wouldn't be mittens because they have fingers yeah but they're they look like mittens in the no, next they're just, scene they're just big leather work gloves so when he sees scully like he gets down to the lobby and like he looks around and he sees her and then he just starts pushing people like super yeah. aggressively not subtle at all and then he starts firing and he like he shoots scully twice in the chest and she falls to the ground yeah so a dude so no one's like everyone's like in the like the lobby of the place right no one's in like the theater itself right so no one's in there except for like the cellist and the piano tuner some dude comes through the big doors wearing like a sweater and big yellow work gloves and like one of his big yellow work gloves is like stuffed under the sweater like in his pants and like FBI agents are like, oh, yeah, there's nothing to see here. That's cool. That's just the piano tuner guy. Like, good job, guys. <laughs> Bunch of chuds, I swear. Jerry apparently was not an exception. So, <laughs> yeah. If we're going to bring it back around to fellow FBI agents. Yeah. So, yeah, no one pays attention to the dude with the giant yellow gloves in his pants as he comes out. So, yeah, Barnett shoots Scully. Everyone's like, gun! Well, actually, Scully's the one who yells gun. And then boom, boom, she gets hit. She goes down. Barnett runs. He goes back into the recital hall itself. He grabs the cellist. Mulder follows him. He's got the cellist as a hostage. A really large gun, by the way, like against her head. I guess maybe he had to get a big gun because he's got those big work gloves and so he needed finger room or something. Anyway, so yeah. he taunts Mulder, saying, like, he won't shoot because you need me alive. Ha, ha, ha. And guess what? I have a hostage. And he puts the gun against, like, the lady and, like, I'm going to shoot her. And what are you going to do, Mulder? What are you going to do? And so, obviously, taunting Mulder because this scene is very reminiscent of their last encounter, right? Hostage. Mulder's got the drop on him, but he's not going to shoot him. And then Mulder fires. We don't see where he shoots him. I would think, and this is in your notes too, that Mulder shoots him in the forehead. The way the shot was framed, I was totally waiting for like a drop of blood to run down the forehead. 
because he yeah. comes, like the gun goes off and he's kind of got like this blank look on his face and then he falls to the ground so like a headshot would seem what was happened because like if you'd shot him like in the arm or the chest or something he could have got a shot off and killed the hostage but he's just like oh uh, like shot right like doesn't say anything doesn't move just kind of like stunned and then like just crumples to the ground and the cellist is like ah runs away screaming right so but we don't see where he got shot like there's no like like when you see the fall away shot it doesn't look like he got shot in the head there's no like wound on his head but you don't actually see a wound on his body anywhere and it was, yeah. it, was one, it was one shot and he's down and he's dead yeah so. and i think it was the head only because that was the shot he should have taken the first time and so I think we're supposed to believe yeah, that he shot him in the I, head this I time. Guess, I guess it couldn't be, though, because in the next scene, we're in the hospital and they're trying to revive him. Yeah. And he doesn't have a wound on his head. But yeah, anyway, so, so we're cutting this scene. There's very, like, like operatic, like, like the omen music going on during all this stuff of, like, Scully getting shot. And then, like, he's got the hostage. And, like, as he shoots Barnett and Barnett. And Barnett is, like, younger dude now. It's not the same guy, right? He's, like, a young dude. And we didn't specify that, but he's like a young dude with a gross salamander hand hidden by big yellow gloves at this point. And he falls to the ground and then we cut to Scully laying on the ground and the other agents are like, Scully, Scully, you're okay. And she opens her eyes and like starts to open her shirt and she's got this Kevlar vest on. Yay. Although like the bullet in her vest is a, is an intact shell. Like the rim and the primer pocket are sticking out of the vest. Like they just stuck a bullet in a vest. Yeah, see, I don't know enough about bullets for that. To, I wouldn't have known well, I mean, anything. You would about know, that. like when you shoot a bullet, a casing comes out, right? Yeah, but I don't know what they look like. To me, it's the, all the same. The casing is what you see sticking out of her vest. Okay. So that's not. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, I don't so, know. <laughs> yeah, so so Barnett's. We assume he's dead. Actually, in this scene, like we assume, like Mulder shot him, and he's dead. Yes. And then Scully is not dead; she's alive. So, but then. So then we end up, um, there's like this special hospital suite and you can tell it's kind of special because like it seems to be like not in a normal hospital. And there's windows everywhere so people can look in. Right. So it's not a normal hospital and like there's a bunch of surgeons and they're trying to save Barnett and there's like a guy in a suit standing next to him, like talking to him, trying to get information from him clearly. It's William B. Davis, which yeah. we'll talk about this in a minute. I didn't know it was him. That's a cigarette smoking man. Yeah, he's obviously not smoking a cigarette. And, no, he's, and I don't think he's the cigarette smoking man in the scene. But yeah, we'll get into that. But we'll talk so. about that because I do. But okay. Well, I think he could be. But either way, it is William B. Davis and he's there and like talking to him as the surgeons try and save Barnett's life. And Scully says she feels like she was kicked in the ribs, but she's okay because obviously Vest saved her life. She's probably got some bruises, but she'll be all right. And she kind of tells Mulder, like, you know, what you did by shooting him wasn't by the book. And Mulder's like, tells you a lot about the book, doesn't it? So that was kind of cool. And then on the table, Barnett flatlines. And so he's gone. And Mulder says, well, he'll take that research with him to the grave because he could have stashed it anywhere. And, like, as he talks, it, like pans over to this like train station i guess and it just starts or airport i'm not sure yeah yeah it's not clear i, I got a train station could be an airport could be a bus station but basically like there's a set of like storage lockers and they like zoom in on one and so apparently that's where like this precious anti-aging research is stored but no one will find it because no one knows it's there yeah and the episode ends 
Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So Barnett doesn't have a bullet wound in his head on the operating table. So yeah. So who knows? We're assuming he got shot like in the heart or something and they're trying to bring him back. Cause, but like whatever shot him, like, like I said, in the scene, we assume he's dead. Cause he's like, just, he can't move. He can't speak. And he just drops. Well, it but, seems like the head makes sense to shoot him because one, it's a clearer shot, and two, that calls back to like the original. So it's weird that they maybe they just didn't want to do a makeup. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. but then if you got shot in the head, it's like reviving someone who got shot in the head is a little different. And plus, two, we do get a shot of him like when he flatlines, he does turn and like look towards the window, looks yeah. towards Mulder, and his eyes are are wide open, those cloudy eyes, and like he doesn't have any wounds on his head. Right. So, so who knows where Mulder shot yeah. him? He got TV shot basically what happened so yeah dun 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 so yeah i didn't notice that william b davis was in this episode and actually after i read that like everyone kept saying well he was credited as a cia agent so i kept like going back trying to find him you found him because like i kept looking for him in the crowds of like agents so i thought well that's the thing there you even knowing that you're looking for him, you never see his face. You only see the top of his head because he's bent yeah. over Barnett and he's like wildly like gesturing like, hey, Barnett. And you and you hear a voice saying like, when he flatlines, you hear a voice saying like, Barnett, can you hear me? Barnett, 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 which is, I imagine it's supposed to be that agent. And that's not, I don't believe that's William B. Davis saying that. No, I don't think that's his voice. And so I, that's where, and plus the fact that he's credited as CIA agent. If he wasn't credited and you recognize his name, I don't think you would have even known that he, like no one would know he was in the episode because you can't tell it's him. You only see someone yeah. with dark hair bent over in a dark suit. They're, you know, gesticulating a lot. They've got a mask on, but they're not wearing it. It's like hanging down around their neck, which what's the purpose of that? I don't know. But so I don't think it's supposed to be him because he is credited as the, as the smoking man in yes. the pilot. But in this one, he's just credited as a CIA agent. Yeah. So I think yeah, it's actually I'm not unsure supposed to be him. Because, and this is why I'm on the fence, because like, I think character-wise, it makes sense for him to be trying to get this information, because he's obviously, that's like his thing, is to try and get like this information and hold it for the government and keep it away from other people. But is he that hands-on? Yeah, I mean, he could be. I think he'll do anything. So I, I can see it being him, and maybe originally... Like, maybe the original plan was to have the cigarette smoking man play a bigger role in that part. And then at okay. the end, they just didn't have time to wrap it up. So that's why they were like, we'll just credit him as CIA agent. Cause, but, like, again, you can be to- – like, they used him. I don't know if they used him for a reason. I can't imagine they called him to set and had him do this for, like, nothing. But then maybe because they couldn't get in what they wanted to get in or they realized you couldn't really tell it was him or it didn't fit whatever they had originally planned, maybe they – just credit him as a CIA agent decided it didn't really matter because he's not going to do anything Yeah, because anyway. just, like, my memory of him and, like, well, all we get in pilot, and then obviously yes. he plays a bigger role later in the series. I think next episode. But he, well, see, and that may be why he was on set. Possibly. He may have already been around because they were already, maybe they were, like, doing some cross-shooting for different maybe. shots. But... Um, and we're like, hey, we need somebody. Because he seems, the way the character is acting, like I said, you you don't see his face at all. You just see dark hair, dark suit. The way the character is acting, it's like the cigarette smoking man always seems like a more like low-key character to me. Yeah. Like not someone who's actually going to be like active. And this dude is like, he seems like a much younger person. Yeah. And so, I'm, I don't know. But like I said, like we don't know. According to the credits, it's not him. But I, I don't know why they would hide. Well, the it. cigarette smoking man is a CIA agent, so 
Well, do we know? <laughs> do we know the cigarette smoking man is a CIA agent, or is he? Just I believe some... we know he's a member of the CIA. Okay. I think so. The CIA. But either okay. CIA. <laughs> I can't talk today. I don't know what is with. I can't talk. I don't know what's going on today. My okay. brain isn't working. Well, we will but, agree to disagree on this. Well, story. and I don't. I'm not married to the idea that it has to be him. It just. It's one of those things where it's like, it's weird that he's even there, but like, I kind of can get why his character would be doing that, but it doesn't get explained. So who knows? Well, like if I didn't look at the credits. Yeah, I wouldn't have known if I had read notes. That and even there. honestly, like I probably wouldn't have been paying attention because I'm not, I'm not as hard on like the names of actors who play characters. Like, I don't know that enough. So even if I saw the credits and saw like William B. Davis as CIA agent, if you hadn't messaged me saying like, apparently William B. Davis is in this and I can't find him. Like, so keep an eye out when you watch it. <laughs> I would, I would have not known that he was in right. the episode at all. Because no, you, and I wouldn't have known if I hadn't tell. read it because I yeah. didn't see him at all. And I'm always on the lookout for him. So it was weird. Okay. But I think I'm just, I'm trying to track when he comes in because we haven't seen him since pilot. I think he comes in in the next episode. But like, I was like, Oh, that's weird. He was in this one, and I expected him to be like in the bar behind Deep Throat or something smoking. So I was like, kind of like, anyway, William B. Davis is here. We don't know why. We don't know what he's playing. William B. Davis is in the house. That's all we, you know, <laughs> yay! He's there for a brief second. You can't even tell. Hopefully, he'll get some more screen time next week. Okay. Yeah. Which he may be because we know next week's episode is i mean we usually just later but next week is ebe which is also the debut of the lone gunman yes so so we'll see what happens back to this episode a lot of reviewers have mentioned that this episode's kind of weird because like it's not really an x-file because it's just like scientific experimentation again i guess that kind of depends on what your definition of x-file is because obviously eve was similar and I think Ghost in the Machine is sort of similar in that the whole case is driven by something from their past or a colleague from their past kind of bringing them in because Mulder and Scully wouldn't have been called in on this case otherwise. Well, I have I actually have a quote from sure. one of our sources that I want to use. And it is actually from the book Monster of the Week, The Complete Critical Companion to the X-Files. And it's written by two authors. And this episode section is written by Zach Hanlon who used to write like for AV club, that kind of thing. But he's got a little segment about this episode is, and this is all a quote. So it is cut from pieces. I'll tell you where I start and stop. So I'm starting in the middle of a sentence here, but we've got the first season is rife with old colleagues, former nemeses and X flames. It's an unnecessary contrivance that quickly builds to the point of self parody, especially when you consider the premise of the show parentheses, FBI agents investigating strangeness and parentheses, already offers a perfect excuse to bring Scully and Mulder to any case. And then we jump to another section and he says, if you've worked with known or had the misfortune of being born in close proximity to either Mulder or Scully, your best bet is to fake your own death as soon as possible. If you don't, the writers will, and this is emphasized, the writers will find you and they will make you pay in the name of dramatic expediency. So, yeah, a lot of their old colleagues have died. And, the yeah. only one who hasn't is what's his face from Squeeze. Tom Colton. Yeah, we which we find out at least from one of the other books we have that he gets fired later because he is not a good FBI agent. Yeah, so, so that's definitely a complaint a lot of people had too that like it keeps bringing people and like I get it. You're trying to round out their past. You're trying to round out their history. You're trying to give 
Like when you're writing a monster of the week story, you need like an in, like what's, what's our hook here. But like, it's fine to do it once in a while. I think that's fine. I think the problem is they keep doing it and then they keep killing these people. Yeah. Well, I guess, um, what's her face? Phoebe. Phoebe didn't get killed either. Yeah. So, so yeah. a couple of them have survived. Okay. I was, think, yeah, I, was, is... I was thinking purely FBI agents because both Jerry and now Reggie are dead. Well, and Willis. Oh, and Willis, yeah, I guess, yeah, I forgot. Well, yeah, Willis died twice, I guess you could say. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so anyway, so, yeah. So two for Scully, two for Mulder, if we're counting Willis twice. Yeah, so. oh, wow. Yikes. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, and also, I just have to imagine, like, Chris Carter would be like, you know, back to the salamander hand business. Like, he had to be like, hey, you know, it would be ridiculous and not add anything to the story and would be something we could spend unnecessary money on salamander hand <laughs> because then I we honestly because we, <laughs> we get the scene in the hospital where they're like they're like holding the salamander hand down with it's like three fingers and it's all which is where we get into the thing with agent henderson and like they had to be really dexterous because his hand is not doesn't seem very dexterous right well that's the thing is like that doesn't match the handwriting analysis we've been hearing about at all like yeah, if henderson the, is good at her job like a three-fingered salamander is like writing well, i guess three three fingers and a thumb so he's like ben Grimm. he's got three fingers but anyway yeah uh, i swear like i'm you know i would bet money that chris carter was probably like this isn't weird enough it's not x files no. enough we need to add something what can we add what regenerates oh salamanders regenerate you know what <laughs> he doesn't have a hand let's add a salamander hand and everyone's like yeah, that's weird and creepy. That's awesome. And then they did it. I mean, it, and could I been, it could have been worse. He could have had like a lizard tail or something. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was, it seems a little unnecessary. But we have gotten things in the past where like, where episodes haven't been that popular. And Chris Carter is like, it would have been cooler if we'd been able to do this. And you're like, no, it wouldn't have been. It would have been worse. <laughs> I'm glad you couldn't do that. I'm glad you didn't have enough money to do that. But yeah. This one, so, oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> telling you he's he's the george lucas of the x-files he's like he had the idea which is an awesome idea and i give him full credit for the idea and he deserves all the money that comes to him for that idea but it's like okay now stop and let other people do it because <laughs> anyway i, mean, maybe I think his dialogue is good i like chris carter dialogue i do think there's another missed opportunity though so we miss the opportunity i think there's a missed opportunity of having like him grab the phone and be like you got your proof ha, 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 and then hanging up that would have been i think that would have been good because it, it ties directly back to Mulder, like on the phone saying like, I need proof. Right. And he's like, Oh, you'll get it. And then he, yeah. just, he just got it. So that would have been a nice, a nice throwback. But then also what I think would have been cool. And this is going to be a weird one. Cause usually we like, I complain about them doing too much at the end. Right. Like, Oh, you should have just stopped. Like we don't need, you know, Claude, you know, I'll figure this thing out if it kills me and all this other kind of stuff. Right. It's just like, just stop a little before the episode ends and you're good. This one, I actually think, that it would have been good if when Barnett flatlines and he turned because he he flatlines and like his head lolls over and his eyes are wide open and he's looking at the window, which is where Mulder is, right? So he's basically like looking at Mulder is if we had gotten like after he flatlines, like as the machine's going, he gives us a little blink. Ooh. Even though he's like flatlining. I think that would have been cool. But, yeah, because maybe he can like regenerate. Yeah. And it would be a much better ending than just like ending on like an airport locker. Right, well, so, we don't need that. Like, you can tell us it could be anywhere. We don't need to know where it is. Yeah, we don't need that. But I think that would have been a nice little, like, if we got another blink. Yeah. 
That'd be cool. Like it's like, oh, he's dead, but he just blinked again. Oh Ooh. shit! Yeah, Maybe he's regenerating. Is, is he gonna regenerate? It just takes a while. He's gonna end up with like tombs and a little and a little nest every what is it thirty years and coming out <laughs> takes him a while to regenerate. So yeah, I don't know. Not really a good episode. But. Yeah. So that was Young at Heart. Yay! Mm-hmm. That yeah. happened. Yeah. It was an episode. It was. That we watched of the X Files. <laughs> yes it was so yeah reading some torn on this one i i mean mm, mm, mm. i guess it's not that hard like it was okay i kind of i didn't feel like there were a lot of great like Mulder and scully moments like it wasn't like a lot of good character stuff you use this thing multiple times and sometimes you've caught me off guard with what you will watch and, w- and wouldn't watch on a marathon yeah. So if this came on on a marathon, would you stay and watch it or would you go do the dishes or something? Uh, I might watch it, but I'd probably pay, play like Animal Crossing or something while I was watching oh, it. So I'd probably okay. like half watch it. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's probably like a four. Okay. Like it's kind of on par with space for me in that like it's okay. Like it's fine. It's an episode. It's It's got some... I mean, does it even? Maybe it's a three. <laughs> oh, okay. So where are we going? Are we going three? Are we going four? Are we going three and a half? I'm looking over the plot to see if there. Yeah, you know, I don't feel like there were a lot of great Mulder and Scully exchanges here. It was kind of nice to hear more about Mulder's backstory, like his. But like, mm. well, let's see. You've given you gave a three to Jersey Devil. I did, and you gave a four to Shadows. I did, and you gave a three and a half to Ghost in the Machine. <laughs> Yeah. And you gave a four to fire. Yeah, I'm going to have to rethink some of those. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it's probably like a three and a half. Like, to me, this okay. is pretty much like Ghost in the Machine. Like, it's okay. it's kind of that kind of episode. Like, it's it's okay. It's not great. I don't know if I'd... I mean, if I were doing like a best of, this wouldn't be on the list or anything. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm going to go. Let's see. I'm looking at my originals and I'm looking at the ones that I've adjusted. So, hmm, hmm, hmm. I think I'm going to go with a three. Okay. It's another one of those, like, it's got potential. It's, it's almost like a straight up, like, police procedural, like the first half of it. Yeah. And then we get this, I mean, almost even probably even more than half of it. It doesn't actually get weird until we get the salamander hand, honestly. I'm telling you, he added that because he's like, this is an X-Files. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like someone just, yeah, yeah, someone just growing a new hand wouldn't be weird enough, apparently. And having I, I still I still don't understand the eyes. Like what the hell is with the eyes? Because yeah. you I mean, if you're if your pupil is clouded over, your vision is gonna be affected. I'm sorry. It's yeah, not, you know, like if they just made like the irises white or something, like even Bill Bixby when he's turning into the Hulk, like his eyes go white, but he's still got pupils. These dudes yeah. essentially like the pupils are clouded over as well. The whole eye is clouded over. So, but th- there's never any. The only the closest we get is like Doctor Ridley being like, "Oh yes, he's getting younger and younger, but his eyes are dying." It's like, but we don't ever get anything of like I can't see. 
Like yeah, his eyes affect him, which yeah, I mean, his his eyes are also dying, but he's wearing the same glasses he's worn like the whole time. And I was gonna say, I'm glad that we found out that he had used the stuff because like just like the like oh like the footage of him like working with the little children in like 1979 and then the footage of him supposed like in 89 working on Barnett. It's like that dude hasn't aged. And I'm like, I wonder if yeah. he used it on himself. And it turns out oh he did use it on himself. So but yeah, they never explain the eyes. I don't get what the eyes are. I don't understand. But and I don't know if that's like real science or not. Like your eyes don't have the ability to regenerate or whatever. So, but yeah, I'm going to go with a three. I guess okay. it, it has potential, but yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, it does. It's just it, kind of, I mean, it, was, it doesn't. I liked Reggie a lot potential. and then he died. And so that kind of. Yeah. Sucked. I mean, he was, I mean, he was all right. I, I don't think I'm adding him while well, he's dead. So I guess I can't, but unless I like, you know, revive him, like maybe. Reggie's spirit is going to show up next episode in someone else's body. So when we're first talking about how these were bank robberies or like jewelry robberies, I was like, Oh shit, Dupree is coming back in someone else's body now. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was okay. I, yeah, I'm going to go, I was 3.5 for now, but. Okay. Well, you got I'm gonna time. I'm going to have to adjust some ratings. Yeah. So. I mean, I couldn't, I can't, there's no way to shoehorn Howard Graves into this one because Howard no. Graves, as far as I know, wasn't a bank robber. Sadly. So, it's just weird it's a weird episode i don't know i didn't feel i just it's really not i mean the only thing weird about it is the eyeballs and the yeah i guess what's weird about it is that it just doesn't feel super x-filesy like it just feels like like you said the police procedural and it just yeah well i mean and i mean that's the thing it's like i don't know like i don't know i mean they're in the fbi i don't know they all need to be x-files like this one was like Oh yeah, Mulder's old buddy called him in because an old case, and so we're using it as a like, oh, let's build some background for Mulder, right? Which I'll be honest, like I get what they're trying to do, like, oh, you know what? We really need to like give these people like full lives and let like the viewers like understand where they're coming from. I kind of don't give a rat's ass. I just want good (laughs) stories. Right. I don't care. I don't care what Mulder did before this. I don't care what he's going to do after this. I care about what's happening in this episode. And if you can write a good episode, then it's cool. And if it includes some of that stuff, that's cool too. But like, don't like, it feels like a lot of this stuff is just like tacked on because they're like, Oh, we need to build background. We need to give backstory. We need to make them whole people. Let's, let's build a story around that. It's like, gross yeah i agree with that especially because then you're gonna you're gonna make us care about these people like oh it's Mulder's old da 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 scully's old da 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 and then you just kill them i know like no bring them back maybe make them a recurring character at some point you know so yeah and i think it's fine like they can have cases that aren't like ooh spooky but yeah you're right like it has to have it still has to be a good story and it still has to be and i mean i mean reversing aging that's not That's a normal great concept. That, yeah. that would that would be fine for X Files. We don't need a salamander hand. Be, yeah. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> Apparently, you know he wanted it just for that. He was all about that last scene of them holding down the salamander hand. Oh, probably. probably it. Yeah. And then, and then maybe like in the if that is he wearing a glove when he strangles Reggie? Because he strangles because he strangles him with his right hand. We don't really see much of it because it's cut out. And I think part of why it was cut by standards and practices is because it was gross. Yeah, it was like because because we do get the scene like after he drops the note. I think he was wearing a glove in that because like like in the scene too when he's like outside Scully's house, it looks like it's all black. 
And so maybe he has a special salamander hand glove with like three fingers <laughs> that he wears or something, but he doesn't want to wear maybe. them at the at the recital. Yeah, I don't know. This episode was just <laughs> it was it salamander was hand. It was a thing. <laughs> yeah. It filled the time slot, you know, it worked. Yep. Next episode so- I think is gonna be better. Yeah, it's called EBE, and I don't remember much about it, but I know it's like one of the big episodes. And you said the lone gunmen are in it, so that's yep. exciting. Yep, it's a myth arc episode, so it's going to be our fourth myth arc episode because Pilot, Deep Throat, Fallen Angel, and then EBE, and then we're going to get one more in this season. We'll have, we'll have five of them in this season. Yeah. And EBE stands for Extraterrestrial Biological Entity. In case you're Ooh. So I bet it's going to be about aliens. Woo! Alien, cigarette smoking man, yeah. lone well, gunman, I'm in. Well, plus, I mean, myth arc, so it's got to be about yeah. aliens. If it's, if it's a myth arc episode, you know it's going to be about aliens. Heck yeah. So. Well, join us next week, and we'll talk about aliens. I was going to say, I don't want to jump the gun and be like, so be sure to join us next week as we watch. No, that's later. <laughs> Speaking of which. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Hashtag really just a bedroom closet. Episode production, editing, and mixing is by Lazy and Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to help us improve the podcast and reach more listeners. You can find us at IWantToRewatch.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you should definitely check out our show notes because they have summaries. They have our research materials. They have how to contact us online. And every once in a while we throw in some other stuff. So you'll never know unless you look. (laughs) Yeah. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like the X-Files, we'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode 17, E-B-E. And try to figure out if if the the truth truth is still still out there. there. getting sick or something because i'm feeling like really like ugh in my throat and then i'm like certain i just feel like really run down i don't know why <laughs> I, I better not be getting sick I definitely better not be getting covid Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Ah! all right
right, let's do it one more time. And then we'll uh, it's probably allergies. Excuse me, man. Carbonated water. (laughs) Yeah, I drink a lot of carbonated water, and it makes me burp too. It's good though.